Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So one of the billionaires that's missing on the, on the water from that submarine ship, one of the billionaires, their stepson, is at a concert, right? At a Blink-182 concert. And people is like... Um, well, what is he supposed to do? Be sad at the house? Is he supposed to go look for himself? Yes. You're supposed to be at the house sad. You're supposed to be crying for me. You're supposed to be right next to the phone waiting to hear any updates about me. You're supposed to be, uh, counseling your mom and shit. Like, isn't it sad that you a whole fucking billionaire and nobody gives a fuck about you? Like, like you missing and motherfuckers is ready to shake dicks at concert. That's crazy. I'd rather be broke. I'd rather be broke than like and poor, but knowing that I'm loved. Like Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, our pop culture roundup and and just like that, recap. We have two episodes that just got released on Thursday and I'm going to get into them. I'm going to get into them for sure, but we have a few things to talk about before we get into our recap, so... Oh, let's get into them, right? Uh, first of all, I mean, we'll just quickly get through this, right? Kravis are having a boy. Courtney got up into her husband's lap, and he did a little pum 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 on a drum set, and a bunch of blue confetti came out. So, congratulations to you guys. If you want to get messy, if you guys want to get a little bit uh, paranoid or whatnot, I would suggest that maybe you find a video of... I, maybe it would look like Kravis gender reveal reaction might elicit a good result for you. Because you'll see a um, 
the reactions of, first of all, I don't think Mason is there. Something that I think we all need to talk about. I was actually having brunch with Kelly from Laguna Biatch and she was asking me if I felt like Mason was kind of like the next Rob, MIA, flying under the radar, staying in his bedroom kind of vibe. And I think he doesn't really want to be on TV. I mean, he is like in his teen era, right? (laughs) But also, I kind of think... Maybe not a huge fan of this uh, wedded matrimony, okay? I I don't think he really loves it. I'm just thinking of, here's my reasoning why. When they got engaged, Courtney called Penelope and Mason. Mason wouldn't pick up the phone, and Penelope was bawling crying. Not because she was happy, okay? And we have not seen poor Mason since then. So I just have a lot of questions, and... Yeah, check out that re- uh, the reaction where you see um, Landon, who's Travis's son, and Alabama, and their faces, and the D'Amelio that that uh, Landon's dating. She seemed happier than anybody. Landon, not so much. Alabama, nothing. So I'm just so so very fascinated by the dynamics of Kravis like you know behind the tongue wrestling and all the horniness there's a darkness there and I think we need to talk about it I think we really do anyway um let's get into our girl of the week (laughs) going to none other than Avery Singer who went on an interview and had the following to say I've taken a back seat from the show for an extremely long time because I worked at Morgan Stanley. Um, what show? Because, Avery, I don't recall you ever really being on a TV show unless you're referring to you as a child with your headband and your pigtails being on Real Housewives of New York. Is that the show that, you, that you've decided to take a back seat from? That... Excuse me? <laughs> that is extremely generous wording, young lady. She goes on to say, like most of my finance career, I couldn't get jobs because of me being associated with the TV show. And then she goes on to say, like, talk basically in a very like her mother fashion, kind of like, uh, you know, throw a jab, but, you know, throw a rock and hide her hand and be like, well, you know, there are some kids, some housewives kids who will take advantage of the situation and, you know, all they do is post duck lips into their pictures or whatever, like selfies onto their Instagram and like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be serious. I want to be taken seriously, like as a businesswoman. Okay. So do we want to talk about what Avery's doing now? Okay, Um, last we saw Avery, I think most of us saw Avery, she was on Watch What Happens Live on Bravo, promoting her new company that quite possibly might be funded, at least in part, by her mother, who was the star of The Real Housewives of New York, and who also, through the party for Batch Boss, her company, would be her mother. And you know, the headline... Roni's Ramona Singer throws a party for her daughter. These are the headlines being put out that are probably very much approved by you because you want your company to be successful. So you're totally fine with Roni being used when it's in conjunction with promotion 
but not so much when you want to be a business businesswoman at Morgan Stanley. Okay. And also, what else are we doing? Um, oh, by the way, at this party, I guess we're supposed to believe that your dearest friends with Dorinda and Jen Fessler. I had never seen you with Kyle and Amanda from, from Summer House, but apparently they were there too. Okay. Are all those people on Bravo? Interesting. I guess we can move on. Oh, no, we can't. Maybe we should talk about how you have a podcast with your mother called Turtle Time. <laughs> Baby, who are you, kid girl? Come on. Come on. Why even... And why do you think you're on a podcast? What do you, Look through the episode subjects of the 10 episodes of Turtle Time. Tell me if you are so desperate. Again, Turtle Time is the name of the podcast. If you're so desperate... To not be associated with Roni because you want to be a successful business. Okay. You took a back seat. Did you sign a contract, ma'am? Baby, come on. Girl, moving on. You know, obviously, y'all know who have you been listening <laughs> English. For y'all who have been listening to this podcast for quite some time, you know that uh, Hilaria Baldwin, Hillary ends up as a, like a forever girl for the podcast. So like it goes without saying that when I speak about her, this is all girl behavior, all girl territory. So she did an interview with uh, Romper Magazine, I guess, about like uh, yoga and being a mother. But who did she specifically talk about being a mother to? Her own fucking husband, Alec Baldwin, 65-year-old Alec Baldwin. In a quote, she says, Am I his mummy? Sometimes I'm his mommy. Sometimes. At the beginning of our relationship, everyone was like, she must have daddy issues because she's married to somebody older. But it's actually the opposite. <laughs> that, that also, that may sound like worse. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds worse to me. That sounds worse. Because why would he be seeking out a significantly younger woman to work out his mommy issues? Ew. <laughs> Ew, that's so gross. Ugh. So then, here's the really thing that I, the pull quote that I found horrible, actually, because she talks about, are y'all ever going to stop hell that having hella kids? What's the deal? So she said in this article that she's very much done having kids. She made this, like, analogy about, like, having children or giving birth is, like, going down a slide and then, like, you're having fun and you forget. I don't know. I've never felt that way going down a slide when I read the quote. I didn't know what the hell she's talking about. Frankly, I never do. So I just, I didn't write it down. But anyway, she talks about how she definitely is done having children. However... The reason why they keep having kids is because uh, homie won't get a vasectomy. She says, I feel awful when I'm on birth control. It makes me depressed. And then she says, every single time I have a baby, my OB writes down the vasectomy doctor on a post-it and I bring it home to Alec. Hilaria said laughing. He, he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> That's... Oh... I mean, I guess one of my questions would be, I mean, you did have a surrogate, so doesn't seem, it does seem like you want to have children intentionally, but also like if the reason why you keep having kids is because 
the birth control medication makes you depressed, which I think is a completely valid reason to not go on birth control, especially when you have 17,000 children to take care of, you know, like you, you're, you have got to be <laughs> on your best or your very best at all times. But if the reason is that he won't get a vasectomy, this old ass man can't even be bothered. And that's why you keep having kids. It's giving uh, handmade, 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 the handmade jumped out. Oh God, I don't like this. I don't like talking about them. I mean, I kind of do, but you know what I mean? Puking. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to say our Can I Get a Hell Yeah is going to none other than Aoki Lee Simmons, daughter of Kimora Lee and the Russell Simmons for I, her bravery. Because I, I've been watching this girl for like a year and I've been wondering when this was all going to come to a head. And unfortunately, on Father's Day, it all came to a head. So starting off... We have, if you guys did not watch Life in the Fab Lane with Kimora Simmons, like, girl, <laughs> you're lost. But anyway, it was, like, chronicled. It was one of those, like, early, you know, what, maybe, like, 2008 um, reality shows that you would never get from a star of her caliber now. You know, like, the Anna Nicole era, the... Um, uh, Paula Abdul, Hey Paula show that she got, you know, just shows that we just would not get like this anymore. Right. Um, so it, you know, chronicled her life and she was raising the girls and blah, blah, blah. So here's the tea. Kimora and Russell broke up years and years ago, but they've maintained through the public that they've got this great co-parenting relationship that they're also friends. Like it's, they're, you know, like a model, modern family. She married Jimon Hansu. They got had a kid and divorced, and she's now married to this new uh, businessman, right? So throughout all of that, there's been this, you know, like I said, maintenance uh, that his relationship with the girls and with Kimora has been, like, perfectly great. An unconscious coupling hall of fame, right? Until... Recently, Now, we have to go back to a few years ago where there were several um, allegations of the Me Too variety against Russell Simmons, which um, seem pretty much confirmed. I mean, I'll just sit and say that they're allegations. However, I feel like, you know, most people don't move to Bali and not come back to America. When charges are pressed on them, you know, just it doesn't look great. The perception's not great there. I think we can all agree. Um, throughout this, Kimora has been extremely still supportive, outwardly supportive of Russell. Um, even in the midst of these allegations to, you know, not great. Not great. And, um... Yeah, like I said, things have just come to a head in, I guess, apparently the past couple years. Back in 2009, there was a lawsuit that Russell put, a $44 million lawsuit against Kimora, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they also had, like, done business together. They had been doing business um, together this whole time. Like, I guess, even through the divorce, they remained business partners. Um, so, it starts off with... Ming, 
the older daughter. She posts a picture on her Instagram stories on Father's Day that's, you know, a picture of her and her mama, like, happy Father's Day. Brat, brat, shots fired at my daddy, right? And everybody's like, ooh, okay, interesting. So then, um, you know, they're just basically a back and forth. Aoki comes on, and Aoki was pretty pr- prolific on uh, TikTok, which is how I found her. Very well-spoken girl, went to Harvard, like, trying to figure life out as a model, a student, what have you. Like, seemingly pretty well-adjusted. And I just felt like, the whole time I'm watching, knowing, like, ooh, this girl seems very sweet, and I feel like one mistake, and somebody's gonna tell her, tell her all about her daddy, and I'm gonna, it's gonna be a very dark day. I had just been waiting for that to happen. However, Aoki goes on her own Instagram stories posting uh, FaceTimes that are muted between she and her father where he's clearly screaming. There have been people who have done lip reading uh, reactions to this video saying that he's talking about like your mom took my money, um, blah, 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 things of that nature. And um, she basically is saying through tears, I don't know what's happening with my dad. We're concerned he's never been like this. He will turn on a dime. He will call me out of my name, call my mom out of my name. It's like, oh, you're, you guys are just bitches like your mother, like things like that. And he just has like a very nasty attitude to the point where it's just like too abrupt and too odd. And they possibly think that there might be like a dementia or some mental health matter going on with him over there in Bali. That is like, you know, being undiagnosed, unchecked, unmonitored, what have you. I first found out about this via, unfortunately, The Shade Room, and I should have known better by not looking at the comments, because the comments were just, like, so awful towards Aoki, basically along the lines of, y'all should keep this within the family, we shouldn't know this, Um, we, you know, he probably, Russell Simmons probably has every right to be mad, like, blah, 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 we don't know what's going on, oh, here they come, all of a sudden, the money's running dry, and, you know, they were they were supportive of him all this time, and then the money ran dry, and now they want to, like, air his ass out on public and make him look bad, right? Awful, awful things. I, I you know, as a black person, I see this happening where it's like kids of wealthy people, kids of famous people they will say things about their parents that end up getting public like with brian mcknight or whoever and it's like oh you should just be like so grateful that your parent made money or that they're famous or like we need to protect this person at all costs and like how dare you or like a child's not allowed to be hurt and it's such a horrible precedent to be set like if you are not being treated well by your parent, and regardless of what their status is at the bank or whatever. You should be able to express that. You should be able to express that hurt. Nobody needs to be protecting Russell Simmons. And fuck you guys, because if you guys don't really know the history of, um, you know, Kimora and Russell, they started dating or whatever. He started whatever you want to call it when a grown ass man is like talking to a 15 year old, basically their relationship, 
air quotes, began when she was like a sophomore in high school. And he was a, some, I, I believe in his 30s. Like, this is a person, and I wish I could quote this person that I saw, but it was basically like, you have to understand that this is a delicate issue and to have, like, to expect Kimura to, um, you know, like, yeah, obviously it's a bad look for her to, uh, to, um, you know, be in defense of him during these allegations. That's completely true. But you also have to understand that this is a person groomed by that man since she was at a formative age and, you know, her mind might be thinking differently. And in order for her to point the finger at this person, she's going to have to unpack a lot about herself and her relationship and all of that. And maybe that's something that she was only able to do recently. Like I, I can understand. And it's not in defense of her because we can all be like, girl, you going on the Kardashians and being like, Chloe, uh, go off on Jordan, a teenage Jordan for what, Tristan did inexplicably you know like really that was Tristan's action that was a really bad look and even Kimura said this like I've been in a position where I've defended people and I've like you know I'm the defender I'm the person who like you really want in your corner come hell or high water and she's right (laughs) you probably do and it's to her own detriment but I, I could see how that may have been hard for Kimura to do when it seems like she has been groomed by this man for like decades now. She's got kids with him. Like that's just a lot. It's a lot. And I give her grace. But man, I just feel so sad for Aoki that she's had to deal with. She's saying men, grown ass men coming into her DMs, you know, this 21 year old person threatening her, telling her how she should deal with her family dynamic, just saying vile, violent, abusive things to essentially a child about her own, like, gross daddy. Like, it's just, it's very sick. And I I just wish that, like, we would get out of this uh, dynamic of, like, because your parent has, like, made it that, like, you're supposed to be overly grateful and they're supposed to like just hang the moon and not do anything no we're not doing that we're just creating another cycle of abuse and i'm breaking it right here okay and with that you guys listen i know 99.9 of you nine percent of you guys are tired of talking about this submersible i have one more conversation left in me and then we can just let it go okay we just let it go let it go Because what an adventure, gang. What an adventure we all got into. I want to talk about this submersible stepson, uh, Brian Saz, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, who is the stepson of Hamish Harding, who was one of the gentlemen who was on that submersible, the Ocean Gate, uh, and, you know, we all know what happened to him, RIP, right? Um, This dude, Brian started off being notable because uh, he it came out that he was going to a Blink-182 show this was you know the submersible what shit went down on Sunday I think we all found out on Monday I believe that Blink-182 concert was on a Tuesday 
And so everybody was like, oh, Brian, what what's good, girl? So this dude took to his Instagram and <laughs> said, yes, I went to Blink-182 last night. What am I supposed to do? Sit at home and watch the news? Not sorry. This man has helped me through hard times since 1998. And then he also went on his Facebook saying... <laughs> It might be distasteful being here, but my family would want me to be at the Blink-182 show as it's my favorite band and music helps me through difficult times. So, <laughs> then he also went on Twitter, posted a picture of himself, tweeting, I think, at Blink-182, saying, my stepdad Hamish is on the submarine lost at sea. I'm devastated, but I'm coming to San Diego show tonight so you guys can give me hope and cheer me up. <laughs> so his mama... God bless her, told him to delete any posts that have to do with the submarine. So he went and did that. Not that it matters, you know. <laughs> the internet is forever, babe. Sorry. But then, so the day after he, you know, went on to say that he went to this Blink-182 concert, right? He had also tweeted this chick, this uh, OnlyFans girl that... Like, oh, her caption was like, you know, it was like cute, sexy, flirty, you know, shirt with a t- uh, thong or whatever. I don't know what the picture was, but it was, the caption was like, oh, who wants, can I sit on you or something? And he quote tweeted, it was like, oh, you can. <laughs> so everybody saw that. He tweeted that like less than an hour after the Blink-182 tweets, right? So everybody was like, bro, you know, we can see this, Right. You know we can see this. So he goes back on Instagram stories and is like, I just wanted to go to the show. I wanted to, you know, I'm just going to nod my head to a couple of the songs and then go back to the drama. The the drama wouldn't necessarily be how I referred to it, but okay. So he says with regard to that only OnlyFans model that they... He, I always talk to her on Twitter. And it's like the million dollar question being, does she talk back? Does she respond? He says, we have a playful back and forth. She wished me well. She wished my family well. Like, yeah, I'm sure she did when she found out who the fuck you were. Like, bro, come on. So then he goes on to say, believe it or not, I have like $100 to my name. I can't go out in the ocean. I have a legal situation keeping me here as well. I can't get on a flight. I don't have a passport. So here's a question, another million dollar question. What is this uh, situation? Well, we found out. In 2021, Brian got arrested for making threats to attack people at a concert. He also attacked, excuse me, stalked and harassed a woman named Alice in Wonderland, who was like in the rave scene, right? Um, He also threatened um, a mass murder on Twitter. He tweeted the following. The funny thing is, bitches actually think they'll be safe after calling my ass out. Crying laughing emoji. Peace sign emoji. Those who disrespect me, the real joke is on your ass at Trilogy. Black heart emoji. Um, uh, crystal ball emoji. When the massacre happens, I'm taking note of who's viewing this tweet and who's in jeopardy. Yikes. So he got arrested for that wild and and before we like I know you guys are probably thinking oh this guy's like what 22 19 he's 37 he is 37 years old 
He was also arrested back in 2007 when he was 20 um, with some counterparts that were 18 and 16 years old at the time on suspicion of two counts of armed robbery um, at both an AMPM and a 7-Eleven. They hit those two places within 35 minutes. And the, the according to the San Diego Union Tribute, the three suspects were threatened clerks with a knife and demanded cash by apologizing. He was sorry that he was out of cash. So they caught them when an Amtrak train struck their Ford Explorer, getting it stuck onto the tracks. So the authorities went up there and found stolen cigarettes and a weapon and two suspects uninjured nearby. I mean, this guy's got a long history of behavior. Of behavior. So then, the th- it doesn't stop there. He ends up getting into it with uh, none other than Cardi B. Cardi goes on to in her own Instagram stories with that. Um, <laughs> if you guys don't know, there's a filter where, like, uh, you know what the a person looks like without their skin, basically just muscles and tendons. It's basically that filter it's like a man wrapped around her like this is her man my man right like i'm just cuddled up with my boo on the couch this horrifying man with no skin so she's talking about this situation like damn how selfish do you have to be to uh you know like be out at a concert not giving a fuck you know while your family members out here missing why aren't you sitting there with your mama whatever like you're supposed to be sitting right next to the phone waiting to hear any updates about me you're supposed to be consoling your mom and shit it's sad that nobody gives a fuck about him she goes like you're missing and motherfuckers are ready to shake dicks at concerts (laughs) and then she says i'd rather be broke and know the people love me than be rich and alone so he goes on this idiot decides to be like oh cardi um your song's been trash lately you obviously are trying to get clout out of me and my family's suffering mind you you tweeted at bleak 182 please i'm coming to your concert please i'm gonna nod my head and go back to the drama but please notice me mark hoppus tom travis hell courtney please notice me So then he says, I went to that concert for coping rather than sitting at home and watching the news. Shame on you, Cardi. Get some class. So Cardi responds, the point was the whole world was praying for these people in the submarine. And this man is online shaking dicks for girls off OnlyFans and going to Blink-182 concerts. You was looking for clout all along. Nobody knew who you were until you said that was your stepdad. Amen, girl. I'm with you, Belle Calise. I am with you, sis. Oh my god. So with that, yeah, let's get into Anne just like that. What what this kid? Not a kid. Grown ass man. That's a grown ass man. Unbelievable. All right, let's move. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Don't do the Charlotte thing. Don't make us into a happy couple. It's sex, a cooking show, a sleepover every Thursday, and it's great the end. Okay. How big is his dick? I'm not allowed to be me, so I'm going to be Samantha. Okay, wait. Uh Now I'm going to be Miranda. Uh If you sleep with someone at work, you are giving away your power. I miss Charlotte. If you see her, will you tell her that I miss her? All right, you guys. Let's talk about the first two episodes of... And just like that, our ladies are back. Ladies and shadies, let's get into it, shall we? Um, Where are we? Where did we leave off? Carrie kissed her podcast producer, Franklin, in the elevator. Things were popping tin over there. Che and Miranda fucked off to L.A. to work on Che's comedy pilot. Um... You know, I believe it was Matt Rogers from Las Culturistas who said that it seemed like Charlotte's storylines were like watching an after-school special or something of that nature. And that remains, unfortunately. Um, it also, you know, if we can celebrate things, it seems like all of the ladies' um, emotional support women of color have made it to season two. So let's celebrate that, shall we? <laughs> um the opening of season two is very classic Sex in the City. All the ladies are kind of like doing their version of the same thing in their version of what they find sexy lingerie wise going into the bedroom to make sexy eyes at like Harry or Franklin or Miranda and Che getting a quick finger bang in and a, um, you know, hot tub, things of that nature. Um, Miranda's back to being a redhead. Thank God for that. We also have Seema, like I said, who we met as Carrie's real estate agent last season. And the big theme of episode one is the Met Gala. They're all going. Carrie got an invite. Charlotte got one. And Charlotte's going to be bringing Anthony. Carrie's going to be bringing Seema. And it's going to be a wang-dang doodle, right? Um... Charlotte's friend Lisa, 
baddie, continuing to be a bad bitch, not fucking her husband because of it. She's just like, I have to get funding. I have to do this. Manicure, yoga, kids are here. This one's learning French, making sure they're brushing their teeth. This whole thing. I mean, it seems like a very clear and obvious setup to homie cheating on her eventually or like a separation or like a, you know, a women can't really have it all. Can we? Just the perennial theme of sex in the city. You can't have the job, the man, the love, all of that, the kids. How do we balance it? Well, according to Michael Patrick King, you can't, you bitch. Don't even try. Miranda starts off being like, oh, I'm trying to live my best life. I'm in LA. I'm having fun. The sun is shining and I'm getting all the vitamin D that I can get. And Che's busy at Comedy Pilot. So I'm going to just take their um, deprivation tank appointments and have a fun. Have so much fun. I'm having the blast. But then she gets saline in her eyes and is like, you know what? I'm going back to me, Lindsay Lohan. Like, I I can't do this. I'm above that. I will say that the first time that I went to L.A. a few years ago, I actually did do (laughs) deprivation tank. And... It was like not the not what she did, not the egg, not the Lady Gaga egg. It was like a full, um, like you had to take a shower first. You had to even wash your hair before and after, and it was more like a pool, like a like a square, like a jacuzzi, like a personal size jacuzzi. Um, I would say if you're like like I'm five feet, I think if you're above six feet, it seems like it would be pretty uncomfortable. But yeah, mine was more like a tank and just like floating. So I don't know why you would even get the saline in your eyes. But um, was it enjoyable? Um, uh, I would do it again. I think that I was just like two in my head. You know, which I think is the point is to not be but I was like, Oh, my God, I think you have to or I had to like get used to the idea that like I can float and I'm not gonna like sink at any given moment so I think with that knowledge you could probably enjoy it also you know if you want to enhance your situation if you can responsibly I would suggest that too so Miranda's friend her professor friend Naya is like okay here's my thing (laughs) my complaint I remember saying last season that Naya's storyline felt like an entirely different show. Like, it was like a completely different vibe. And I'm thinking now, because Naya interacts a lot more with Miranda, that she's feeling more like a connective tissue with the show. But now what's happening with Lisa is that Lisa's storylines feel like a totally different show. Like, Lisa seems like a movie, and then here we are in like a miniseries. It's just very strange for me. Um, Naya's light-skinned husband they're estranged he's making music i don't know like partying or opening for steve lacy who's to say but um yeah that's her deal so she's like in a whole separate world dealing with this man and so miranda tells her go out there on your own and like be social and stop like holding up and worrying about this dude who just seems to be very focused on like how small of a a hat that he can get on his head. It's remarkable actually. Che tells, I hate to tell you one joke in this episode, uh, trigger warning for 
comedy. Um, Jay's joke is about how LA has made them lazy and how the other day they took an Uber from their bedroom to the bathroom. My God. My God. I'm sorry. But it's like one of those things that I had to experience it. So I have to tell you, you know, like it's not fair for me to have to hold that inside. So am I really sorry? No, I'm not. I'm not. So then we have like Charlotte's little comedy hour with her children, Charles Children's Hour, um, where it, it, it's really like the rest of the episodes like Adult Swim and Charlotte's episodes and scenes are like, yeah, the kiddie pool. So her scene, her first big scene is like they're getting, um, she's like getting her fitting done for the Met Gala and her kids tell her that, hey, dad thinks that he's going with you. And she's like, why would he, he never wants to do that shit. And he's like, well, he thinks he's about to be a bad bitch and like stomp the red carpet and meet Rihanna. And so, you know, I'm sorry, you got to tell Uncle Anthony that he can't actually go with you. So this ends up with Anthony just being bounced back and forth until eventually he ends up getting to go with Charlotte because Harry realizes that he's not going to be like on the E-Red carpet and like taking a selfie with Rihanna. I mean, that's truly like her her storyline for episode one. Remarkable. And then I just got so sad because like we're never going to see Stanford again. And the only mention is that he's in Japan. Oh, I broke my heart. So Che has a much bigger storyline. They've got their own storyline this season because, you know, I mean, I think we all complained enough that we knew that that was inevitable. So um, Che's pilot is in trouble because somehow a pilot that Che wanted to name Che Pasa is being made even more corny by the producers and the writers and the wardrobe designers, etc. And it's not looking good. And Chase seems to be like in every scene, slowly or very quickly losing grip and control over their own show. And so we'll see how that goes. Um, there was a point in which Che didn't want to be touched and seemed very standoffish physically with um, Miranda. And then they admit later that they like were having body issues and wanted to lose weight or were trying to lose weight. And they didn't like, you know, like with all the shit I've been through, like I just didn't think I would be that person. And, you know, they have a very sweet moment where Miranda says, you're the most beautiful person I know. And, you know, I love that for them. So back to Carrie and Franklin, they have this like Thursday fuck day after we record our podcast, we go to my home and like do the, do the dizzle and you like look up Ina Garden videos on your computer afterwards and like I fall asleep. And so that's their thing and it's been their thing. He wants to take it to relationship place and she does not. She's in like her post morning Stella got her groove back situation, doesn't want to get serious. He invites her to a bourbon tasting up on a rooftop. I mean, it could not get more New York if you tried, like, yuck. Um, And then she, like, initially says yes, and then is like, actually, I don't really think that's a great idea. And then he's, like, very gracious, and his dimples only get deeper, and he's like, no worries, it's fine, I'll keep fucking you with no strings attached, you know, 
we'll save that for another day. Carrie does have a moment where she tries to talk to Che about, like, how do I handle this dude? And Che's like, it's a dude. I don't know. And so Miranda's also trying to put on this um, seemingly very intricate leather um, strap-on harness to, like, you know, dick Che down. But then wires get crossed. Miranda gets her feelings hurt because she thinks that Che is saying oh, sometimes people only want to have a sexual relationship as a nod to her own relationship with Miranda, but that's actually, excuse me, their own relationship with Miranda, but that's actually not true as we come to find out later. I mean, honestly, the first two episodes is Miranda just being a drip, like an absolute drip loser, no confidence, like not the Miranda that we know, um, just taking everything the wrong way, just being overly sensitive, but also being turned down. But like mixed messages are abound. And it's just like hard to watch Miranda act like this again. (laughs) I'm getting over it. I'm getting sick of it. And I just like the red hair's back and I need Miranda to like read a book, find a hobby, Anchor yourself to something because I need, I need my girl back. Bring back our girl. Professor Naya decides to take uh, Miranda's advice, goes to the bar by herself, runs into a light skinned man named Toussaint of all things. He hits on her, but she's like, sorry, I got a ring on it. And he's like, okay, deuces. And then she's like, bartender, another round, please. I'm going to get too drunk try to show my pussy to my estranged husband on FaceTime. But then right at that critical moment, he has to say, I'm actually in a hotel room with a white girl named Heidi. We're making acoustic guitar music, but don't worry. It's like not a big deal. I haven't cheated on you, but I will tell you later that I haven't cheated on you yet. And so I think in an effort to fix our relationship, that maybe we should consider hiring a surrogate to have our baby. Because, like, I kind of want to stay with you, but I'm kind of thinking about, um, you know, giving the heedy-ho to Heidi. Okay? So, think about it. Love ya. Bye. So, also, Carrie decided, and man, the way they keep making these men leading characters, the straight men leading characters in this show, and then it's, ooh, ooh, not a great... Bobby Lee is back in a more central role as, uh, you know, her friend, Carrie's friend now, and the boyfriend to Smoke, the girl who designed Carrie's dress for the Met Gala, who, I mean, my God, the dress didn't end up working out. And thank fuck for that, because the dress was like something that I would have worn in 2004 to my prom. Like, girl, it was giving Jessica McClintock. Um, so the dress didn't end up working out, but what did end up working out, she had finished the cape, but not the dress. And so they're like, oh, I need a last minute dress. And then she's like, here's the other thing I found a little heavy handed. The, like, I love the nod to sex in the city, but we don't have to be so heavy handed with these, like the presentation of the fashion moment. Like we had that a couple times last season and then Carrie's going on and on about, Oh, I do have a dress, but it, it comes with painful memories and blah, blah, blah. And it's her, you know, her wedding dress that big left her on. And she's like slamming the roses against him. And she had the bird in her hair. 
with the veil because the Met Gala theme happens to be Veil Beauty. Oh, okay, you get it. And it's like, it was like a whole 30 second monologue leading up to the dress. And it's like, oh, girl, just, just pop it on. Just pop it on. Okay, we got it. All right, let's move on to episode two, where something very near and dear to my wallet, frankly, is Carrie and Franklin are recording ads for the podcast, right? And Carrie has some great moral stance over an ad for like vaginal suppositories or something because the code, she's like, oh, I have never said suppository in my life. I couldn't possibly dare. And this is like, again, very classic Carrie. I'm a person who is hired to speak frankly about sex. And yet the idea of writing it or recording a minute and a half ad for a suppository for a very easy check. It's just like, I could not even imagine girl get real. Sit there and record that at copy bitch. Get out of here. She ends up getting reamed out by her boss, who's like, um, get it together. Podcasting isn't in the heyday that it was from 2021. We're on the edge of glory. So, again, get sit down and record that copy, sis, okay? Sina ends up getting a fight, because she's, like, dating the dude from season one. Sima's very, you know, Samantha 2.0. Can't be tamed. Beautiful hair. Free sex life, but found this dude who's like a, you know, sexy downtown guy, whatever, right? The so like perfect match to her. She ends up getting in a fight with this guy because on the same day of the Met Gala, um, she he invites her to a lunch meeting his kid. And she's like, okay, well, I guess I'll choose this relationship over the Met Gala only to find out that he still lives with his ex-wife. So she's like, excuse me, no. And so she ends up breaking up with him. So she goes to the guy who gives her her blowouts, her hair blowouts, right? And he reads her down and is like, bitch, I've been, you've been sitting in this chair for 10 years, been single, you're too picky, no wonder why. And she gets all in her feelings and, you know, leaves. Long story short, she ends up getting a bad blowout somewhere on East 66th Street or something. And he's like, I just tell the truth, okay? Like it or not, I love you. And then she gets back in the chair. Hooray. Hooray for them. Um, Miranda continues to have to laugh through the pain. At one point, she's going down on Che, doing her best work, as we're told. Che gets a call from BD, the producer. Excuse me, comedy pilot emergency, Che. Report to studio immediately. So then they have to leave early to go back to work. And Miranda's like, haha, okay, cool. Well, great. So then we go back to uh, the children's hour with Charlotte. Lily wants a keyboard because she's now a serious musician. Or so she tells them. Harry and Charlotte are like, girl, you gotta work for it. You better work, bitch. (laughs) So... You figure out a way to pay for this keyboard. Charlotte ends up finding out that uh, Lily sold a bunch of her clothes, including this Chanel dress that she wore at her first recital. And Charlotte goes into a fucking panic over trying to find this dress and the uh, moral implications of taking clothes from a minor. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. In an effort to fill up her days, Miranda starts going to AA, meets a lady named Allie at the very first meeting, who was like, oh my god, you don't have tattoos, come to the beach and clean the beach with me. Great. Allie ends up leaving her pretty early. Um, Miranda ends up losing her phone. More on that later. Seema and Carrie have this scene where they talk about, like, being picky in their relationships. And Carrie's like, yeah, I almost got a house, like, six times in the Hamptons and backed out every time. And Seema goes, oh, was that reason always Bethany Frankel? And Carrie laughs. And here's what I hated. I just feel like Carrie was somebody who, like, didn't have a cell phone, you know, thought somebody who was IMing her could see her through her computer. Remember when Aiden sent her that instant message and she's like, oh my God, can he see me to Miranda? Like she just always seemed like above that. So to me, something so on the pulse as the housewives, even though like Bethany is like a New York terror in her own right, I just don't like that Carrie knows who Bethany Frankel is. Maybe even less because of the housewives and more because I just know that that made that skinny girl's clit engorged. Engorged. And the idea of her being recognized on and just like that, I know that. And that's really painful for me, you know? And I'm sorry for the visual, but again, who am I if not a truth teller, you know? All right, so going back to Lisa's storyline, this, like, whole movie thing. So she's got, Lisa's got, like, her own bunny, 2.0. Her mother-in-law's, like, a monster-in-law, a, you know, an old-school black woman, gorgeous, a.k.a., um, you know, that sort of thing. Just like, a, oh, we have to make sure, you know, wisecracking, doesn't like Lisa but loves her granddaughter, that sort of thing, right? Very complicated relationship. Their storyline is that her son, Lisa's husband, ends up having to take the daughter and her white friend to wherever the fuck, right? He has to hail a cab, can't get one. White guys don't want to let him in. Fine. She's, like, out with her homegirls, his mama, with, out with her AKA homegirls. They run onto him in, on, like, Madison and are like, oh, my God, they see him banging on a cab, like, oh, you know, I can report you. And they have this whole conversation about respectability politics that basically is like, oh, yeah, actually, we should be doing that. His mom goes off on him about how, like, um... When your daddy or your grandfather was getting a brick thrown at him, if it, um, you know, he was as nice as could be, you would never, you know, he would never do anything like this. And it was just like, 
Lisa was like, you know, I hate your mama, but I, I have to agree. And, you know, it's like a whole, like, never surrender your dignity sort of thing. And I'm like, where are we? Where are we? It's giving Tyler Perry, you know? <laughs> I I was uncomfy. I was uncomfy in my own home, so to speak. I, Okay. So then um, we have to watch Lily's performance on her keyboard. And I have to say, I'm very disappointed because I was like in my mind, like, oh, ha ha, Kara, write down. It's giving Lily Eilish with this performance. And then Anthony said it. And I'm like, well, that sucks. That sucks for me. I thought I I ate that. And I didn't. I didn't. Um, Anyway, she was great. Whatever, right? Also, huge news, Tony Danza's here, okay? <laughs> Sorry to lay that on you at the last minute. Tony Danza's in the show for who knows how long, but he's supposed to be playing the role of Che's dad. Now, watch out for this, right? So Che, don't you forget it, is Mexican-Irish, right? Um, I, the her Excuse me, Che's father's Mexican, mother's Irish, so on the show, Che's trying to keep it as authentic as possible. Tony playing supposedly Che's Mexican father. However, they end up going out for dinner and he's like, yo, my stands and I have had a conversation. I'm not comfortable as an Italian playing a Mexican. So I think what we should do to keep me on here is put the thing down, flip it and reverse it. And why don't actually we just keep the Mexican part because that part's important. <laughs> That's what they actually said. And just switch out the Irish part for Italian. So I'll just play like you'll just be like Mexican Italian because this is also said in the show, um, Irish people or excuse me, Italians are like the Irish people with better cuisine. I believe that's what he said. <laughs> better food. So basically he's like, okay, we'll just pretend like your mom's dead and she's Mexican. And then we'll do these like tearjerker scenes with your like abuela. Right? So it's a real conscious of crisis of conscience with Jay. Cliffhanger. We don't know what happens. Try to get through your week, you know, without that information. We'll find out next week, I'm sure. But like I said, Miranda loses her phone on the beach. We do, I will say, put this in the pro pile. Do, um, she has to do a scene with a bunch of um, scantily clad surfers, and I appreciated that. And um, she ends up calling Che, but she has to call Carrie first because she doesn't know Che's number by heart. And Che's like, yo, I'm about to go to dinner with Tony Danza, get my heart broken, so we were going to go together. I'm just going to call you somebody who lives out by the beach who can pick you up and take you back home. Sorry. And so this person, Oliver Hudson... Ends up being Che's fucking, did I say Oliver Husband? <laughs> I think I said Oliver Hudson. Oliver Hudson ends up being Che's husband that they've been, they married a long time ago. Um, didn't get around to getting a divorce. It almost seemed a little bit like there was some chemistry between um, Oliver and Miranda at first, and then she found out that that was Che's husband. I don't know. So I'm not saying like maybe a thruple here. 
Like a real one? Like an actual one could maybe happen. Um, so I'm thinking about that. And basically Miranda freaks out is like, yo, Che, I don't know your phone number by heart. I didn't know that you had ever been married or that you still were. And Che's like, whatever. Like, we just never got around to getting a divorce. No big deal. Get the strap, girl. Like, you're fine. This is what I'm saying. Like, Miranda just keeps, like, running herself hot in these emotional landmines only for Che to be like, no big deal. Chill out. I just, I don't like that. I don't like that. Um, Carrie's podcast network ends up getting dropped completely. Like, she and Franklin are pulling up to the Sri Lanka, and they're like, oh, boxes, boxes everywhere. Uh, You should have just done that ad copy about the vagina, bitch. Now none of us have a job. And this ends up with Franklin breaking up with Carrie, (laughs) literally in the lobby. The relationship did not even make it outside of that building. And he was like, I just have feelings for you, or I think I could... And I think this might be the end of the road for us because I'm not trying to get my heart hurt. I'm only going to be your Thursday man. So she's like, okay, cool. Bye. (laughs) So that was the first two episodes of And Just Like That. Did I have fun? Yeah. Yeah. No. But also, yeah. Um, Would I recommend it? You know, if you already watched season one, it's just like, just keep going on the ride, you know? Like, why stop now? Um, I would say, like, again, the cons are, I don't like Miranda in LA because it just makes the show feel very separate. I like the scenes where everybody comes together and then we can have our separate storylines. And I also like on Sex and the City where the storylines, like, are kind of threaded together. But again, it's like, children's hour with charlotte over on the upper east side and you know whatever else is going on like adult time elsewhere and so i don't like that and i also like if like naya's gonna be on the show living in new york but her only scene member is miranda who lives in la i'm gonna see i'm gonna need more like interaction between carrie and naya and charlotte and naya like let's all intermingle here so that's my hope and dream Anyway, you guys, if you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would greatly appreciate it. And otherwise, love you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. 